Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome back to New Books in South Asian Studies. I'm your host, Kirk Ott. The guest for this episode is Dr. Karen Pachillis, the editor of the book South Asian Religions, Tradition and Today, which was published by Routledge in 2012. Dr. Pachillis is the NEH Distinguished Professor of Humanities at Drew University, where she has served as Chair of the Comparative Religion Department and for four years as Director of the Humanities Program. She is also the author of, among other things, a study of the Tamil devotional poet Karaikal Amayar entitled Interpreting Devotion, the Poetry and Legacy of a Female Bhakti Saint in India. We recently spoke via Skype, and after only one false start, we had, I think, a pretty good conversation. Here it is. Hello, Karen. Welcome to New Books in South Asian Studies. Hi. Uh, we're going to be talking about your book, South Asian Religions, Tradition and Today. But before we start talking about the book, I thought you could maybe tell us a little bit about your background in getting into the study of South Asia. Yes, fabulous. Um, I got started off studying Asia in college. I was always attracted to um, Asian art. Uh, Art of India, in particular. And we had a wonderful professor at Bowdoin College, John Holt, and he's just dynamite. There was sort of an interesting group of people from Bowdoin, actually, who ended up studying Asia, really inspired by John, for example, John Walters at Whitman, Jake Kennard at um, Colorado, Aditya, the late Aditya Bell, uh, actually, of UPenn. And so I overlap with John Walters, actually. Um, John Holt just really inspired a lot of people to get into the history of religion. Right. Um, and so we all ended up actually going to University of Chicago okay. and studying there. Uh, most of us with Frank Reynolds and mm-hmm. to some extent, uh, of course, Wendy. Mm-hmm. And then I additionally, my mentor at University of Chicago was really Jonathan Z. Smith. Okay. I just liked the study of methodology a lot, and so he was great for that. And he's not particularly a South Asianist. So no, he's not. No, a, no, he's not, uh-huh. but he was just very encouraging sure. of my studies, but again, yes. really kind of focusing in on methodology. Yeah, good. And I would want to mention also um, Joanne Waghorn, mm-hmm. who's at Syracuse, who's also very inspirational and really much more directly South Indian Hinduism, mm-hmm. uh, which is, is my um, research specialization. Mm-hmm. And particular, you know, she's a very visual person. Right. So, and her husband, Dick um, Waghorn, has taken some wonderful photographs. So that was really a boon for me. He's at Cornell or? Um, I'm not sure where yeah. Dick okay. is. Okay, yeah. yeah. Dick is a professional photographer. Okay, yeah. So, again, his images are amazing. Sure. So I got, I got in um, that way. Now, I would just want to quickly mention in terms of overseas travel, mm-hmm. you know, John Holt has the consortium of the IELTS program to Sri Lanka. Okay. So I got yeah. to that as a college student. Yeah. And then I went to the language program um, through the American Institute of Indian Studies for Tamil. Sure. And so that was like my third year or something of grad study. That's in Madurai so, or? 
It yes, okay. Okay. yeah, uh-huh. yeah, it was in Madurai. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been fabulous, and I've been supported by the Fulbright program to go to Chennai and Chidambaram, and hmm. um, so I've had a lot of help along the way. Let's put it that way. Yeah, um, for sure. And I would imagine. Uh, doing uh, specific area studies and yet having the mentorship of someone like Jay-Z Smith, that yes. would kind of push you to kind of connect your research to sort of larger themes in, in the, the study of history of religion. Yeah. Yes, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, devotional traditions have always been an interest to me. And the relationship of the religious path to what are the social mores mm-hmm. of the time. Yeah. And so seeing the evolution that way of the, the narrative of proposal and response has been the way I do uh, my research. And also my classes, all of the religions. What I, it's where it, in the uh, South Asian Religions Tradition Today book, this kind of comes through in a couple of ways. One would be what I'm calling the conversation uh, among um, religions of, of uh, South Asia. The kinds of courses I teach always uh, have the interactions among the religions. Um, so, for example, the Bhagavad Gita and Hinduism being a real response to Buddhism, for example, mm-hmm. uh, in the kind of crystallization of what we think of as, as Hinduism. Huh. And so th- th- in that way, that comes through. I was really wanted to talk about the distinctive cultural identity yeah, yeah. Uh, that emerges from the interactions among different religions. And then I also, I use John Smith's work uh, in the intro. Mm-hmm. To the, to the book, um, particularly his distinction between presence and representation. Sure, so, yeah. Uh-huh. And I guess that if we're going to get started in the, the content of the book itself, I guess I realized that Selvaraj was a co-editor and that he had passed away yes. before the book came out. But yes. I don't think I realized until reading your introduction how much it, maybe you saw this book as more Selva's vision like that yeah. he proposed and that you then kind of shepherded to completion. That's or how correct. You, okay. yeah. That's correct. You know, Selva had already written the proposal. He'd already invited uh, the contributors. And the way he described the book and the proposal is that he – just wasn't satisfied with textbooks that were out at that time. He felt that um, indigenized traditions, particularly right. um, um, Christianity and Islam, had been marginalized mm-hmm. um, by earlier textbooks. And, you know, his real gift, you know, he had many real gifts to this field, mm-hmm. um, but one of them was certainly... Um, getting everyone to really pay attention hmm. to uh, Christianity in India is a, as an Indian tradition. Right. And uh, this is to- totally crucial. Um, and he just gave impassioned uh, academic discussions at conferences mm-hmm. about that. And his thesis was that understanding in Indian Christianity is essential mm-hmm. to understanding the history of religion um, in India. And again, he just argued that very passionate, very convincingly, hmm. uh, and very passionately. And so that was his motivation. I will also add that uh, it was his innovation. You know, some of the textbooks that have come out uh, more recently actually do have uh, Christianity and uh-huh. Islam in, but they don't have tribal religions. Uh-huh. And so I think it's very significant that Selva also uh, expanded in that direction as well. The um, very frequently overlooked 
contributions of tribal religions to the history of religion um, in India. And so, to my knowledge, uh, his or ours is the only textbook that really includes the tribals. Yeah, who so, consider themselves to be Adivasis, or the first people in India. Yeah, so the book has uh, chapters on uh, tribal religions, Hinduism, Jain traditions, Buddhism, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, and Sikhism, each written by a specialist in that yes. field. And, yes. Uh, I think something that came across from the, the, I guess, the juxtaposition of all these traditions and the way they're presented is it kind of, it problematizes this idea of of indigenous versus imported in some way, because it kind of comes across that even within so-called imported religions, there's a distinction between those churches and synagogues and so forth that are, are funded from within South Asia versus mm-hmm. those that mm-hmm. receive their funding from Europe or elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And then within South Asia itself, if you start with tribal religions as indigenous, then that, I mean, it's possible to uh, reconceptualize Vedic Hinduism could be imported yes. you know, at some point yes. in the past. You know, so just these... Yes. What, what, a, what a, especially a student coming into a class using this book, the kinds of preconceptions they might mm-hmm. have about what a South Asian religion is, is really mm-hmm. kind of, uh, yeah, problematized and, and interrogated. I, I think so, because uh, religions that are indigenized have been there for mm-hmm. centuries. Mm-hmm. And so even there is a recent textbook out that kind of makes that division, um, indigenous to India and then indigenized. Mm-hmm. And, I would even say that although that that textbook includes uh, Christianity and Islam, they still make that separation. Right, right. And that's a separation itself it just didn't want to make. Yeah, Um, I think this is... Because of the long, long time periods involved and these religions are really in the conversation in India and in a way that that kind of division doesn't capture. Yeah, it's... uh, I think the the real virtue of the way... uh, Selva and you uh, uh, put this book together is it's not just inclusion of those traditions it's kind of how the whole thing is presented yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, uh, let's see I guess within each chapter you have mm-hmm. this format of uh, there's kind of three main sections for each chapter one on identity the next one on practice and then a final section on current approaches yes. and one thing that I really appreciated about this way of conceptualizing it is there is not like a section on doctrine, you know, it kind of takes that out of the, you know, doctrine It only comes into the question of like, how is it constitutive of identity or maybe how is it observable as practice? Yes. So this is, yeah. I mean, a shift from how earlier, say, like world religions paradigm that's, textbooks that's, would have been conceived. I think so, too. And again, this really was um, Selva's emphasis that, you know, I just agreed. It was totally important is ideally this book is, okay, somebody is in South Asia and has this book and is able to understand what is going on around them. Um, And so it it is very heavily on practice, on what the kinds of things that you'll see and what you need to know in order to understand that. And so I think that's, you know, that's really central here. Um, Another way that Selva phrased it is kind of – Blurring the boundary between popular and elite, because mm. that's too, you know, dichotomous, again, the dichotomous categories right, yeah. um, that 
don't really work um, mm-hmm. when you're there in the midst mm-hmm. um, seeing people. And so, again, our emphasis is really it's on conversations. It's on shared mm-hmm. Reality plus distinctiveness within that as these religions really chalk out their own uh, perspectives. Mm-hmm. It's about um, Diana X's idea of pluralism and polycentric India, mm-hmm. that one does not mean the same thing in India as it does in the West. And also even Abhartya Sen's idea of um, argumentative Indian. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? Right. And so all of these um, groups together, visible in India. Again, it's not a volume that was trying to get every single religion into right. it. Uh-huh. Um, it was really kind of um, main conversations of the South Asian region um, um, for students. Yeah, I think this way of presenting it makes it uh, really useful in terms of in the classroom. I can imagine that the, the kinds of, of discussions that uh, it uh, it facilitates in the class mm-hmm. would be different than the uh, maybe what a lot of students would expect coming in and just wanting to know yes. like you know what, what does Islam say mm-hmm. about X or something you know it kind of takes it, you, those questions don't even make sense when you start from this book as as uh, yeah the yeah text th- of the class. this is something that I'm kind of really thinking about now. As the, hum- as the, you know, raison d'etre of the humanities is really pretty consistently questioned um, in some circles uh, here in the U.S. And, um, you know, what I'm really emphasizing to my students, and this book is very helpful in doing that, is we're, we're not making lists here. Mm-hmm. We're talking about people mm-hmm. engaged with their own communities and with others. And it's, it's a nuanced kind of approach. Uh, why would somebody say this? You know, how does it relate to the way the community identifies itself and then de- identifies itself within a wider context? Mm-hmm. And so if people are c- expecting to come in and people aren't in my classes because um, they know me at this point, I've been in for over 20 years. Right. Um, but, um, you know, I just, I, we're not going to do the social science, you know, here's the list kind of thing. Right. Uh, here's what to look for. Right. Um, it's uh, and it's a lot of it's a lot of rhetorical study. Right? Yeah. What, what people say, um, what people are doing um, in context, and, and um, Thomas Tangarange's uh, very interesting, nuanced discussion of um, Christian identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the things I really loved about his chapter. Mm-hmm talking about the two loyalties uh, of Indian uh-huh. and Christian. Right. Talking about. Um, Indian Christians taking Christian names, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the significance of that, and then the the, the way the architecture really relates to um, the Indian context, and yet is very distinctive, right? Um, as well. Yeah, I think between between the opening chapter on on tribal religions, and then reading Tangaraj's chapter on uh, Christianity in South Asia. Uh, each of those chapters kind of mentioned this uh, issue of, well, when when tribals convert to Christianity, do they still uh, yeah. uh, are they still eligible for the yeah. kind of scheduled caste, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. help from so that's the government? That's a huge issue. And so, what kind of a what kind of a, a category is you know caste or yeah. religion in that? Yeah. And I don't think either of those authors seem to be. 
aware of each other or, or deliberately bringing this up, but just the way the book uh, kind of asks those questions, it's almost impossible yeah, exactly, that those exactly. come up. You know? Exactly. Yeah, it means that, you know, ultimately um, identity is, is very fluid. Yeah. It needs to be worked out or to kind of evoke language that um, Jonathan Smith uses. That, you know, things are made. Um, they're 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 not just received. Uh-huh. Um, homo faber, right? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and so this is what we're really after here: is how do people make identity? Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that some things that are really thought to be very inherited and fixed in Indian, in particular Indian culture. Again, you just mentioned caste. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out to be a lot more fluid and mm-hmm. a lot more malleable and, mm-hmm. and people can really make decisions about that and their their perspective on that and we find that within tribals and Christianity um, uh, very pronounced it seems to me yeah. yeah you know I have I did for the first time actually teach with this textbook um, last fall and um, the students were picking up on a lot of these issues. Yeah. Uh, people really actually loved the, the again the tribals uh-huh. um, chapter because you know people don't hear about it so much. Yeah. And in particular, it was just so interesting the way the Orion myth, mm. um, you know, just spoke to the values of agriculture and connection to the land, mm-hmm. and what with the whole emphasis on kind of. You know, ecology and religion now, I think people really, um, in particular, enjoyed um, that chapter. So it was, it's a very, it's a very indigenous identity, actually. Uh Yeah, you mentioned earlier this focus on kind of, you know, if you were on the ground in South Asia looking around you, you know, what would you see in terms of what people do? And that's really the sense I got coming away from this text is it was kind of the view of, Humans, rather than the view from within yeah. abstract ideas or something yeah. like that. that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, what people do, what people do. Right, yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, on that theme also, one of my kind of favorite um, chapters on, on that was is Vasudhanarayan's um, chapter mm-hmm. on Hinduism. The students were really impressed with the way she described um, Hinduism being inflected mm-hmm. They're really diverse cultural activities that are not necessarily, at least not to my students, not on the surface religious. Um, so for food, people loved hearing about food, right, yeah. about horoscope, actually. That's, again, that's not something you hear so much about, but that is a practice, a major uh-huh. practice. And uh, dance and music. Uh-huh. And uh, we're getting some experience with dance over here, Bart. Not DM has really taken off. So actually, you know, my students do have opportunities here in the New York City area to see Bart not DM. Yeah. And, and I brought Bart not DM dancers uh, onto campus here. Um, Siona Benjamin is, is fantastic. Um, she did a, did a she's an artist, but she did a, a, a performance piece with uh, Bart not DM dancer Ramia Ramnarayan. Um, actually, from the Ritanjali Dance School here in New Jersey, uh, has danced here uh, several times, and she's just fabulous. Um, so, um, you know, this way the students can can bring this sense of lived tradition yeah. even the- to, uh, to their studies, but also then to experiences they may well have in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's nice how these same kinds of themes kind of pop up in each chapter, like uh, 
how does uh, how do dietary rules help mm. to solidify identity you know that and how uh yeah i mean it's and it's not it's not as if the the text is formulaic in in having like you know talking about each of these things but they just kind of come up yeah, yeah up. we wanted we wanted the you know we wanted kind of a same perspective uh-huh. so lived tradition mm-hmm. but uh, and we had those main themes identity and current topics mm-hmm. uh, but within it again we we really didn't want a regiment um, you know uh, okay what are, you know here's you know, go to page, right. go to the third page in every article, <laughs> right. and get something yeah. about food, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but food shows up, for example, yeah. like I'm thinking of, um, Whitney Kelting's wonderful discussion of Jainism and the domestic context of fasting. Right. right. And it's a very, very interesting. She really gives an impression of the blending of sort of elite and popular um, in her, the introduction she gives us to Jainism, mm-hmm. which again is is really refreshing because so often you see that in, in Jainism in particular, it's really presented as sort of a dichotomy yeah. and uh, between monastic, for example, and lay people. Mm-hmm. And uh, with Whitney's chapter, we really... You know, don't don't see that. Mm-hmm. Um, we see it all in the mix at temples, um, and in terms of uh, people's interactions, mm-hmm. uh, etc. And yeah. so that for me is kind of refreshing. One of the the virtues of starting each chapter uh, with a discussion of identity is it it kind of. Uh, it forces you to, to kind of step back and think about, you know, who's going to be included in this category before just jumping yes. right into. Yes. Like I'm, I was thinking of the the chapter on Judaisms mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the 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 different ways that Jewish communities within South Asia may have very different relationships to, you know, the modern state of Israel or to British colonialism during that period in history. That there's not there's not kind of a unified. South Asian Jew- Jewishness, you know, it's, it's, it's exactly. contested. Uh, uh, exactly. And, you know, he, you know, was very upfront in saying mm-hmm. that um, these aren't, um, you know, sort of, you know, extravagant, thriving communities. Right. Um, in, in, you know, he's talking about Western India right. uh, today. Um, but he does um, supply us with these uh, wedding songs. All oh, right. Which again sort of show this um, the intertwining mm-hmm. um, of local, particularly Kerala, mm-hmm. Indian traditions and also um, Jewish traditions. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's these wonderful descriptions of uh, this sort of what is it dressed in gold, uh-huh. um, and it, it sort of describes a, a, a Kerala. Um, style of wedding, but it is part of sort of this um, this J- Jewish tradition in India. Mm-hmm. And I also really liked in his chapter this sense of young Israelis, yeah. right, the diversity of of Jewish people who are coming to India and South Asia today, the Chabad Lubavitch uh, movement, mm-hmm. and then these young Israelis who come as well. I think there's uh, you know that that was actually kind of of real interest to to some of my students who actually wanted to pursue that further. Right? Why? Sure. Why India? Uh-huh. Um, so that's kind of in, that gave sort of my students a, a further study topic. 
actually is just to look at that. Yeah, um, this is when the, I guess when when young Israelis are finished with their compulsory yes, military yes. service and they go backpacking and mm-hmm. I guess there's a center around Goa or around the the beach mm-hmm. area. Yes, in that yeah. western huh. yeah. yeah. And each and the the chapters uh, each end with uh, some discussion questions and a, a, a set of uh, key terms like a glossary. Yes. And yeah. there's also within each chapter some like uh, box text of a particular yeah. case study or something. Yeah, which we had just pointed to with the who who uh, the diversity of Jewish people yeah. in now. Uh, and it is one of those text boxes. Yeah, um, you know, and I use that. Um, I use those lists in the back. It's about 10 terms, mm-hmm. um, 10 central terms, list of terms. I use that, uh, and it was really convenient because I just said, okay, well, you, you know, have for the for the midterm, for example, you have to know those terms. Right. Um, and so I have to say that was really, really convenient. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than um, writing them all myself, um, like I've done every other year. <laughs> and I also... Um, yeah, the list of sources, good good quality next step readings, mm-hmm. um, actually, so that people, uh, students and, and uh, anyone else who's reading the book um, will know where to go as a next step, something accessible and, and meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll also, in that regard, you know, I had a lot of fun with the contributors in developing uh-huh. the kind of the more arts-oriented resources that I have at the end of the intro. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, films mm-hmm. um, and um, literature, mm-hmm. right? Salman Rushdie and others, and then art online. Um, right. Just so people have that as uh, as a resource uh, for visuals, and then the creative interpretation of tradition through the literature, um, in particular. And then, really, if you're if you're if you're not um, standing in South Asia with this book, then <laughs> you, the next best is right. you know seeing a film, right, right, right yeah. um, holding this book in the classroom. And so I, I really enjoyed that. And I also I'll say one thing about the beginning of each oh. chapter. Uh-huh. Um, that I I really was the person who said, you know, I really want to have a map. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> because um, when I was reading, this had this had to do with my textbook experience. Right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> because an awful lot of this was Selva's textbook experience. Uh-huh. This one was mine. Right. Reading books, uh, textbooks, where you had no idea mm-hmm. where the author was talking about. Yeah. And so, you know, it's one thing to be able to locate uh, New Delhi on the map, right? Mm-hmm. You can... You know, any map's going to show you that. Mm-hmm. But what about Nazareth mm-hmm. um, right. in South <laughs> India, which is an important, important for a discussion of Christianity um, in India? And so I just said, okay, well, we're going to have maps so that um, the students are going to know exactly um, when Thomas Tongaraj talks about Nazareth, uh-huh. they're going to know exactly where that is in India. And so I just find for someone's orientation, uh-huh. right, that matters a lot. And so. I was really, you know, I'll yeah, take no, credit for that. That's a feature I really Part appreciated, actually, because <laughs> it's not simply that maps are included. It's that this is the, the first page of each chapter yeah, is yeah. a map of the South Asian region with, you know, mm-hmm. indicating what are the major regions or cities that are going to be discussed. And it it just creates uh, such a different uh, feeling going into the chapter uh, rather than, say, if you had a, a timeline or well, a list yeah, of, of right. 
uh, yeah. sacred texts or something. It yeah, just yeah, yeah. gets you thinking yeah. along different lines going into each chapter. And where people are living. Uh-huh. Right. You know, where people, you know, again, it is, it's living people centric. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. If, I guess it's a while ago now that you went through the editorial process, but is there anything about your work with the contributors in terms of, um, you know, uh, asking them to, uh, you know, conform to this kind of identity mm. practice, current approaches, yeah. uh, structure, or what did you invite them to include in terms of a box text? Like, what would be appropriate, or what kinds of questions did you, or prompts did you use? To, what, what, yeah, what yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. I was just so grateful that um, they all were very enthusiastic to continue with the project because um, my understanding is that nothing had been written. Uh, people had agreed to do it, but that had th- there had been a little bit of a time um, lag, and then, you know, yeah. um, Selma so, passed away yeah, untimely. Uh-huh. And so it had been a while. And, um, you know, uh, writing the, these, these kind of textbook articles is not easy. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's very, very skilled mm-hmm. um, because you're trying to get to, the, you know, the essence of the tradition, and yet you're not going to want to essentialize right. the yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> So, I, you know, all these people I'm just uh, are just incredibly high-level scholars, um, pioneers in their fields. Mm-hmm. And I just I thought they were the right people, and I really agreed with Selva um, because they are people who are very very advanced mm-hmm. in their fields and advanced enough to reach back to the intro level. Uh-huh. And and I I just was so grateful that they wanted to continue doing this. And I did run by them this this idea of identity, this idea of kind of how the tradition um, sets itself up in terms of its its claims to universality, and mm-hmm. it is including everybody. And then the the practice mm-hmm. definitely, and then the kind of current approaches. Uh, uh, yeah. And we all agreed with that as a. As a way of doing things. And some people in the current approaches um, kind of talked about some issues um, in the religion, particularly women and some of them, what status of women. And um, some people also kind of did a little bit of a history of the study. Uh um, So that you got, you know, some names of scholars uh, who you could go to um, for this study. So the framework was there and it was agreed on by all of the contributors. Okay. But they really did with it. Yeah. You know what they what was meaningful for the tradition they yes. were covering and the the kind of style that they have. Well, I was really quite pleased with yeah. with that. And concluding with the with the current approaches section, uh, especially for for those chapters that talk more about the academic approaches, I think this. Uh, and they're very they're they're brief sections. It's not going to burden the student with, yeah, with right. a lot of uh, scholarly apparatus, but it just gives a hint of the knowledge that we have about these traditions are always a result of human scholars making methodological decisions and including or excluding certain data. And it just kind of pulls the curtain back a little bit that this isn't just like a, a, an encyclopedia article that comes out of nowhere. It's, it's mm-hmm. written by a person with certain interests and a certain viewpoint and that that's how our understanding of religions always come about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And even I'm just sort of um, thinking about, um, Pashara Singh's uh, chapter on Sikhism, mm-hmm. 
and that he really takes up the issue of multiple identities mm-hmm. uh, within Sikhism in that last section mm-hmm. and um, really, you know, acknowledges mm-hmm. um, that there are many different ways um, to define a Sikh person and that, that some people adopt a certain dress, some people do not, for example, um, you know, and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, current approaches, I, I like how it can be either uh, current academic approaches to the study yes. or even current approaches of practitioners within the religion. What are, what are the things yeah. that they are concerned with? You know? yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, and another, I mean, another one of the things that it, it was particularly striking about that chapter for my students um, is the um, the way the Adi Granth sacred mm. scripture is the guru mm-hmm. today, right? And so, I mean, that was that's again, that's you know, that's a, a different way of thinking about scripture uh-huh. um, because that's part of what um, Dr. Sang is dealing with in that last section of current approaches is that this doesn't necessarily fit neatly right. into some of the categories yeah. that have been established. Uh-huh. And what was really fun. Um, for my students was, um, you know, the, the ritual, it's very elaborate. Um, so first of all, we could go to YouTube and actually find sure, yeah. some images of the, um, the book being sort of woken up and carried um, to the place where it, it spends its time during the day at the Golden Temple. Mm-hmm. And then we could also, we sort of saw visuals on that, totally interesting. And then we also um, went online to find what the what passage mm-hmm. of the the uh, the um, Gurdjieff Granth was the one that was inspirational for that particular day. Mm. Yeah, so, <laughs> so that it, was fascinating. Yeah, it's not it's not simply a discussion of the content of texts. It's about how how those texts function within the community. Exactly, yeah. exactly, and that's what you know we read from the Adi Granth. Yeah. You know, we were like, okay. Um, we're not just going to read all selection from this um, text. Um, we have access to that in, within the chapter, of course. But then this other dimension is which part of that text is specifically relevant to the day that we're doing this class. Yeah, yeah. And so um, that was really fascinating. Oh, there were a lot of things, because this is a book that really focuses on practice, there were a lot of things like that. For example, we just happened to be reading um, – the Vasudha's chapter on when the, the Nine Nights Festival mm-hmm. to the Goddess was going on. And of course, she talks about that mm-hmm. in her chapter. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of kind of um, synergy that way, um, again, with the lived religion um, yeah. and what was going on that day. It feels like this book lends itself to kind of pairing with... Um kind of non-textual resources like yes, you were mentioning yes, film yes. or you know yes. or even more creative literature like you know fiction novels mm-hmm. and that kind of yeah know. exactly exactly this if this book really encourages that dimension i'll be really satisfied um one thing i haven't seen hmm. but i really wanted to um is and karen ruffle describes this in her chapter on islam uh-huh. is the muharram festival okay. which she calls undoubtedly the most visible marker of muslims particularly shia identity in south asia uh-huh. this amazing um story of um 
the you know Hussein, the martyr Hussein, and it's got an elaborate story. And I know it's a really extensive ritual and in in India. Mm. And the time I was in Chennai when it was going on, I was I was out of town actually oh. um, for those days. So I haven't seen it, but I have to say, um, this. Some of these chapters have really whet my appetite right, um, right. for seeing stuff that I haven't seen, um, actually. And that, I would say, is definitely huh. one of them. I've never seen the Muharram ritual hmm. in India, and I'd really like to. It's very striking, actually literally striking, because right. there's some rituals of self-flagellation uh-huh. um, and whatnot. Uh-huh. Uh, apparently, it's, just, it's really moving, actually, is what people have said. Huh. And Karen's discussion, yeah. it really evokes that. Yeah, and the the... The length of the book, I mean, the chapters are, I guess, 20 to 30 pages in that yeah. range each. So it, it's uh, it's uh, compact enough that it, yeah, it lends itself to bringing in other materials to, to kind of analyze through the concepts that are brought up in the book. Yeah, and we definitely had that um, in mind mm-hmm. um, because uh, it has to be manageable for the students. Yeah. And frankly, it has to be manageable for me too, right. because I I read right. It's I mean I tell my students, you know, this isn't just I'm telling you to read it. Right? I am also reading it. Right. And so, right? and so, um, you know, again, it has to be manageable for me, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm 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 busy during the week too, yeah. and so you know, it just yeah. I saw this and book got, as being- got at the basics in a very interesting way, in a way that you wanted to continue reading, at least for me. It comes across as very uh, instructor friendly with the format and the extra, you know, like we said, key terms and and discussion questions at the end, and it looks and, like and, it's, yeah, it's really yeah, cool. and you know, it 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 for me, it's it also gave clues to things that would work with each other in terms of what we're covering in the class. So, for example, uh, Sunil Gunasekara's chapter on Buddhism, mm-hmm. uh, his was very interesting. His, uh, like the Islam chapter, which really was talking about Pakistan, so a little, uh, not quite so India-centric, as I explained in the intro, mm-hmm. we really want to make use of the scholars' on-the-ground research. So yeah, a lot yeah. of this did kind of focus on India because mm-hmm. that's where they do their research. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, the Buddhist and chapter is more Sri Lanka, Theravada. Yes, it is. And, yes, and it's much Tibetan, more Sri Lanka. Mahayana. He's done his field research there. Mm-hmm. He also brought in Tibet mm-hmm. uh, for some comparison. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, um, in his discussion, he also really mentions women. And so, for example, the Buddha's foster mother, um, Gotami, he mentions her several times. And that was really great for me because I have my students read John Walter's article on Gotami's story. Um, and so we, you know, the students could see, oh, you know, here's where she fits in to this Buddhist narrative. And then we went after, after that and focused in on um, the text about her. Um, so they got a sense of the part in the whole uh-huh. um, in in a very interesting way, and that's another way I would characterize this this book yeah. is the interdynamic of the part in the whole. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> on my first read through of the Buddhism chapter, I maybe I came away like kind of missing like, hey, wait a minute, what about the whole development of Mahayana within India itself? Yes. But I think then I realized what he's doing is he's just taking two yeah. communities that exist. At, now you know yes. and just kind of yes. working back from there and it yeah yeah exactly you know, exactly. can you do in 30 pages you know you, yeah I know. <laughs> I know exactly and the idea that you know the tibetan community at dharma and mm. that kind of right you will 
Mm. Um, you can travel to India and see Tibetan Buddhism. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. Let's see. Now, I know that uh, Selva was involved with the, the Conference on the Study of Religion in India, and I was wondering to what extent maybe did this book arise as a collaboration out of that conference, or is that, am I imagining? <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I think um, many of the contributors really have been involved um, in that conference. Yeah. It's not as direct as some of the other okay. uh, books. So there was um, a book on vows that uh, Selva co-edited with William Harmon, Bill Harmon, mm-hmm. um, that's Dynamite, um, on Christianity, Writing Between the Lines with Corinne Dempsey, mm-hmm. who is now the chair, actually, of that conference, oh, okay. which uh-huh. is our yeah. main person. Um, and then, actually, I have a volume that's coming out, co-edited with Barbara Holdridge, and this is, again, a trip. This is the last book that Selva contribu- uh, okay. commissioned, let's uh-huh. say. Um, that came out of the 2007 con- that was the last conference CSRI we call it conference right. in the study of religions of India that he led at Albion College mm-hmm. uh, which is a wonderful wonderful school and it was a, just a fabulous venue to have that conference at for those years where is it hosted um, now? It's it revolves oh okay it revolves yeah, yeah. we had it at Drew last year oh, nice. actually um, well, glad to hear it's still going. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, we're working on yeah. a, a special issue yeah. um, of a journal yeah. um, on that. It was called Near Divine Co-Stars oh. <laughs> yeah, um, in you know Indian religions. And so that was really a lot of fun. Um, but, but Barbara and I are working on a, a volume on the body. Okay. That was the last theme um, conference that uh, CSRI that Selva led, and that's going to be coming out shortly uh, from SUNY Press. It's uh, Refiguring the Body, Embodiment in South Asian Religions, <laughs> and it covers a number um, of South Asian religions. <laughs> and so we're busy working on that. Yeah. But that the conference lives on in a number of ways Good through publications yeah. and then also because um, the group the group keeps meeting, and it's always a you know different. There's some regulars, I and mean, I guess I'm a regular. Okay. Um, I'm on the steering committee, so I, kind of, I guess I better be. Um, right. <laughs> so right. It's a labor of love. Right. Um, and so, uh, but there's all all different people come to it. For most senior people, people in grad school, um, all of the. Uh, religions of India and South Asia are covered there. A lot of them that are that are not in the book, um, actually. Um, so we get we have quite a diversity. Um, this year's topic is urban and rural, okay. and um, relationships between the two. So it'll be a lot of fun. Oh. So we're being held at Butler oh, okay. uh, University. Um, Chad Bowman is going to be our host. Now you've mentioned your your forthcoming work with uh, Barbara Holdridge. Do you have other current yes. research or forthcoming projects you'd like to tell us about? Or you know, I'm I'm getting a lot of um, you know what I consider to be really deep critical thought concerning this woman Saint Karakalamayar, who mm-hmm. I've been studying for the past number of years, and the interpreting devotion book came out. In oh. 2011, um, okay. with the mostly analysis, but then translation um, in the appendixes, and I've been uh, working with dimensions of that. You know, a, a, a book is, I guess, you know, a, a big rough draft in a lot right. of ways, right? Huh. <laughs> um, you know, it's like I, it, you know, everything that that had to be said wasn't said in that book. A lot of it was, but there's still room to grow. Huh. And so I had just recently published something on dance, on the dance of Shiva. Okay. And I think really bringing in 
bringing in this woman saint's um, vision of the dancer. And I think that really does contribute something new to our understanding of the dance. Um, because, of course, that Nataraja dance icon right. is very famous. It's in you know, any museum collection that's anyone. Um, right. In terms of Indian art, has the Nataraja. So uh, it was very fun to be able to say something, uh, what I think is new, actually, about that using the poetry of that woman saint. <laughs> And um, also, I've been writing uh, about sort of feminist analysis <laughs> of classical women. Um, and so I have a, a forthcoming article uh, in Journal of Feminist Studies on that, the, hermene- the feminist hermeneutics of um, understanding Karakala Mayar. And uh, the germ of a new project uh, looking at the currency of bhakti in India today. So okay. bhakti being the you know, devotional right. uh, religion. Specific to Hindu bhakti or a kind of well, pan-Indian it, it, bhakti? Well, it is. Yeah. It is because, you know, um, there's been a lot of discussion about diverse origins of bhakti, diverse traditions, um, involvement and engagement with bhakti. Um, my side of it is really to study the Hindus, right? Get a little right. bit deeper into the, that, you know, sort of one. Although once you're talking about devotion in Hinduism, you've got um, the goddess, you've got Shiva, you've got Vaishnavism, Shaivism. So even within that, there's mm-hmm. a, a heck of a lot of diversity. Um, but I'm kind of interested in um, the currency of bhakti in, in a couple of senses, right? Um, currency in terms of its, is it used? Is it, is it thought about? What do, you know, are people using that term now? And also to get into some of the, I hope it's not overstating it to say the economic dimensions a little bit in, in terms of kind of altruism and devotion mm. through case studies of people in selected professions uh-huh. um, in South India. So uh, a priest, a, a social worker, um, you know, very, again, it's the germ of the idea. You know, it's going to probably take me five years to figure out, oh. um, you know, this, the details on this. But I think it's, it's a good start. Yeah. It's an interesting start. It's one that's engaging me. That'll, that'll keep you out of trouble for a while. I guess. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly. Well, I hope that you would uh, come back to uh, New Books in South Asia Studies to discuss some of these future projects when they come well, out. Well, oh. thank you very much. Yeah. You know, I really, I wouldn't want to end the interview without getting a sense of why you are interested in this book and some of your experiences oh. in uh, India and, yeah. and, and South Asian traditions. Yeah, I guess... Uh, my interest is kind of how are these traditions presented in the classroom, you know, particularly to undergraduate uh, audience. I'm, I'm currently in a, a community college uh, environment and just thinking through how, who takes these classes, what do they try to get out of them, and how do we present th- it to them, you know? So uh, working with students who are, say, I mean, nobody is hardly going to be a religion major or go to grad school for this. So I'm trying to get a sense of what, who, you know, why does this exist in, mm-hmm. in the American university and who, mm-hmm. what, what do people look for? Uh, so, like, uh, some students are going to become nurses or work in the health care industry and they're going to have patients who come from different cultures yes. and they want to have a sense of how to understand, you know, where people are coming from. And I, those kinds of questions, I guess, are what are motivating. Yeah, me. you know, and I, I think um, I'm glad to hear you say that. I don't think that we have been doing enough talking about that. Hmm. 
uh, anyone who is in any profession whatsoever mm-hmm. where they have to serve mm-hmm. a diversity of people mm-hmm. does need to study comparative religion yeah. um, for exactly that reason. Yeah. And this is one of the things, you know, our, that our intro to world religions has, has become a very popular course in recent years here at Drew, huh. and which is really encouraging to me. So, you know, because, and it's precisely because we really are um, telling people more clearly what it is we're doing. Hmm. And the idea that we, you know, from the U.S. perspective, we have a national commitment hmm. um, to religious freedom mm-hmm. um, and religious expression. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that means people are here expressing right. their religion. And so not to know it, it seems to me, is not an option. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's who you're going to come across as your neighbor. It's who you're going to come across at work. It's who your clientele are going to be. Yeah. And it's also, you know, it's very much changing the, um, the landscape here. Yeah. Right? We do field trips, actually, um, in that course. And we just actually, three days back, mm. went to the Hindu temple mm. in Bridgewater, New Jersey, this beautiful, beautiful temple. Uh, uh-huh. And they are, of course, getting ready for Mahashivaratri, which was last night. Okay. Um, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and so they, the students got to the temple, uh-huh. and uh, the devotees took uh, the students around in small groups. And, you know, really, it's it opens the door to people relate, to relate to each other mm-hmm. on a very human level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, you know, I think of this book in that theme as well. I think that's what we've been saying. Yeah. Um, right? It's really... Uh, this let me add this dimension too. You can be standing in India with this book. You nice. can be in the classroom, uh-huh. <laughs> um, with or without a film, or with this book. And you can be um, in a religious uh, house of worship yeah. in the U.S. Uh, specific to any of these religions with yeah. this book, and it will help you understand what's what's going on around you. Um, I, I like how you put it that. Uh, it's not an option to to not have any idea about different cultures. Exactly. People are going to have some idea. The question is how accurate or otherwise is that idea going to be and where do those ideas come from? And I think another uh, uh, trend that I'm maybe uh, uh, concerned with is looking at uh, higher education funding practices and how Absolutely. things are moving yes. towards uh, STEM disciplines rather than the humanities and just yeah. – uh, I mean, yeah. I, I'm convinced that the humanities are important, but I'm not always sure how to articulate that in I a know. way that that uh, makes sense to the people who make the decisions. So that's another, I know, yeah. I know, <laughs> I know. And the more we can just talk about what we actually are doing right. in terms of um, informed human interactions, yeah. I think is going to be a way forward here. Yeah. Um, I, I personally, I don't feel it's a sustainable model yeah. that you know you meet someone at work in this country yeah. and the person says I'm a Hindu Hindu yeah. and the you know what the person gets is a blank stare. Okay. Mm. I don't think that's mm. I don't think it's acceptable today, much less a sustainable model. Yeah. I think we do need a working knowledge of the cultural traditions mm. that people are coming from. Mm-hmm. And uh, again our our interactions must be informed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means knowing people. Mm-hmm. And that's where we come in. And the study of history of religions, comparative religion, mm-hmm. world religions, whatever one, one wants to call it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, that, that, and that's another reason why I really appreciate this movement away from just talking about doctrines in the abstract mm-hmm. and towards, yeah. you know, yeah. starting from human beings and their mm-hmm. communities and then, you know, explanations begins from there, you know. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm totally agreeing with you on that. <laughs> well, Karen, thanks so much for taking the time to, to be on the program and talk. Thank you. It's delightful to be asked and to um, to meet a um, an educator cater with a kindred spirit absolutely thank you all right take care and thank you for listening to new books in south asian studies i'm kirk gott i'll see you next time